You're listening to And Then Some, a conversation with diverse thought leaders across sectors and the media, where we explore strategic communications, current trends, and how they impact us all. This podcast is presented by Solomon McCown and Sensi, an award-winning, fully integrated PR and government relations agency. This is And Then Some. Hi, everyone. I'm TJ Winnick. And I'm Reva Chessis. And this is And Then Some. We are so excited to introduce our guest today. He is a multi-talented journalist at travel media company Skift, who's previously written for leading publications, including the Boston Globe, BizNow, and the Boston Herald, covering beats such as hospitality, travel, commercial real estate, and more. He also recently wrote a travel guide on the city of Boston for Moon Travel Guides. And on top of all that, TJ, I can tell you he is genuinely a really great guy. So without further ado, Cameron Spirance, welcome to the podcast. It is great to have you on. Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Off the bat, Cameron, we're curious to know what your experience has been like reporting on commercial real estate, travel, and related topics during a global pandemic. Obviously, those industries that you've covered historically have undergone a major shakeup this year with remote work and abrupt halts to nearly all traveling. What's that been like for you as a real estate and travel reporter? Yeah, I mean, Reba, you would know better than me. I mean, the amount of times you and I were working together and I I felt like it was always like cautious optimism pieces for like the last couple of years. And then I switched to writing about hotels with Skift um, March 23rd. I will always remember that just because it was, I I think it was like the week before is when things in the US at least started to go really into lockdown. And it's just been kind of a surreal um, time to switch beats. Uh, the, The benefit is there's never a shortage of stories but um, it's definitely, I I switched jobs thinking like, oh, I'm going to be traveling a lot and just getting out in the world and seeing what's happening in the the world of hospitality. And, you know, it's interesting seeing what I was predicting was going to happen in travel at the beginning of 2020. And it's anything but that. If anything, it's just a lot of... um, a lot of pain, but also at the same time, a lot of uh, disruption. And I, I think now we're kind of getting to the point where we're seeing kind of plans that were in place before the pandemic are really speeding up because a lot of these companies are just expecting to um, find some sort of growth uh, coming out of this. I imagine you've spoken with a number of people who have left hospitality looking for something that perhaps is a little bit more reliable, um, you know, at this time. Yeah, that's kind of the um, every month we do a piece about the unemployment rate in the hotel industry. And it's pretty misleading right now, because if you look at it, it's still pretty out of step with the national average, but it shows kind of a steady decline in unemployment in the hotel industry. But um, something we point out with each of those monthly articles is that it's not that jobs are getting added back. It's that people are just giving up on trying to find a job in the hotel industry, unfortunately. And um, that means they're no longer included in the in the hotel labor market. So the unemployment rate goes down. Right. You know, it's been said that the pandemic hasn't created trends, but has merely accelerated them. And, you know, we know tens of thousands of jobs in journalism have gone away as a result of revenue lost over this past year. And Cameron, we know that you have a good amount of freelance experience. And, you know, I guess I would ask is 
Do you think one of the silver linings perhaps is that we'll start to see more freelance opportunities? Will newsrooms, do you think, possibly expand as they seek to create more digital content? Yeah, it's... Uh, I, I know it's wishy-washy, but I, I, I'd say yes to both of those um, avenues because like the one thing this week is Marty Barron announced his retirement from the Washington Post. And I thought it was pretty interesting to see that when he came on, there was something like a little more than 500 reporters in that newsroom that had been pretty cut to as much as you could cut with revenue loss. And as of this week, it's 1100, give or take. And I mean, that's extraordinary growth in his time there. And and I think there is just such this craving for content that, you know, a, a lot of newspapers have closed. So the ones that have survived, um, I, I think those are going to continue to grow. But at the same time now, I, I do think even at the local level, there's a lot of hunger for freelance opportunities. Um, it, to be honest, I, I always get requests for freelance that I, I, I just can't do. And I know a lot of other reporters like it's they're kind of turning work away, which is extraordinary that we're in that position right now. Um, but, you know, from a journalist standpoint, you obviously would prefer a, an on staff job because that comes with benefits and the type of, you know, living that you can actually um go about your day-to-day life rather than wondering when, when the next offer is going to come in. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, this last year, obviously, including the start of this year, of course, has had the effect of drawing people to the news, you know, more than ever before, primarily, obviously, for health and political news. Um, but there's also been some positive stories. And I'm curious if there are any stories either that you wrote or that you've been following that have stuck with you in the last year for being inspiring or exciting or uplifting and anyway. Yeah, it's interesting. Skiff, we started this series um, called the Second City Survival Diaries, and it was sort of the genesis of it was we were tired of hearing, you know, this is how bad things are in New York. This is bad. uh, This is how bad things are in London or Shanghai or whatever. And I mean, it's not to diminish that how bad things are in these major global cities, but we're like, that's not the only parts of the world that people live. Let's kind of peek under the rug at other places. So we've profiled um, so far Jacksonville, Florida, and Durban, South Africa. Our, our focus with that is to talk to small business owners and just kind of get a sense of how things are going. How are you getting through the pandemic? And just kind of put faces to this pandemic instead of just looking at occupancy declines or revenue declines and job losses and pretty incredible stuff. Like you hear how banks are being flexible with lenders, et cetera. And, um, you know, there was a woman in this Jacksonville piece who she and her husband as their retirement project, they opened an inn on the beach and, you know, they, they pumped in a lot of their retirement savings to having this happen. And this pandemic hit and, you know, in Boston, we think that, Oh, the pandemic hit, but at least we were three or four months away from the peak summer travel season in Jacksonville, the pandemic hit. And that was their peak summer travel season, not summer, but peak travel season um, with snowbirds. And um, it, it was just really uplifting to hear that she and other business owners in her kind of beachside community outside Jacksonville were really working together to kind of, you know, get through. And the local bank was really helpful and, you know, really working to make sure like she and her husband did not lose sort of their retirement nest egg. And, um, you know, I, I've checked in with her a few times ever since um, just to see how things are going and, you know, positive. She's made it through. 
um, Labor Day weekend, she was actually kind of like, I'm nervous because we're actually fully booked. And so um, she, she's, it, it just really showed the perseverance of people and how, you know, they're really pulling themselves up and making it through. And it's kind of comes back down to the whole, it takes a village. And I, I think that's really kind of a, an important lesson to remember here is just help each other out when we can. That is a great story. Cameron, you've covered real estate for some time, hospitality and residential more recently. We wanted to ask what your favorite beat has been to cover as a journalist. And is there any area that you'd like to explore more, could see yourself exploring more in the future? Yeah, it's so funny because um, I I thought it could never get more entertaining than like when I first started out, I was an intern at the inside track at the Herald, which is the celebrity gossip column. And I mean, talk about personalities, but I mean, real estate was sort of like hold my beverage because also major personalities in real estate. And I didn't think it could get better than commercial real estate. And then the hotel industry came along. And even then it's just so, um, you know, I, I hate to say I'm really happy where I am, but I am very happy where I am, where it's just, especially right now, um, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions and kind of just sort of a lot of movement in this sector at the moment. And what's great is because it's the despite how terrible the last year has been, everyone's so upfront and not trying to kind of be all smoke and mirrors and things are fine. Things are fine. Things are, people are being just refreshingly honest. And I appreciate that. And that's kind of why I, I, I see myself sticking with hotels for um, quite a while because it's, I'm having a blast and I always feel guilty for saying that, but it's, it's true. It's kind of nice to just have such candor. So is it the nature of the businesses that you have enjoyed or the, it sounds like the per- personalities as well. It's a little of both, but it's funny when I, um, when word got out that I was leaving my last job, um, at BizNow to come to Skift, people were reaching out to me and just saying, you are going to have so much fun. Like hotels have been my favorite. Um, the, the personalities, I mean, also, I mean, look at some of the properties that they're just, they're fun places to be. And I, I think like it, it does take a special type of person to execute a vision like that. And I think it, it, it's only natural that they would be pretty colorful in, uh, in, in interviews as well. I mean, there's no shame in loving where you are. That's an amazing place to be. And, you know, that's great to hear. Yeah. I mean, like, for instance, I remember like my first week, I had never put two and two together. Maybe I shouldn't admit this to my boss, but Ian Schrager, huge boutique hotel developer. But I mean, he's the mastermind behind Studio 54. And like, I, I wasn't getting that when I was reporting on lab development, but um, but lab development was fun too. Don't get me wrong. No shade to lab development. <laughs> um, <laughs> so taking a little bit more of like a, an abstract look at journalism in general, you know, as we move ahead in this new year, we've got a new administration in office that appears to value journalism and the press more than that of previous years. Um, but truthfully speaking, a lot of damage has already been done. And how do you think that we can help restore faith in the media in the era of fake news? And has the increased skepticism around journalists and the news more generally affected you personally at all? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think the luxury of being a business reporter is you tend to run a lot with data and just kind of hard reports that are, you, you can't really refute it too much. I mean, sure, there are certainly, you have to still vet like the sources and I, I don't want to name names, but I think like when you go through press releases and stuff, like there are some sources of data that you just kind of know, like this isn't going to be 
someone you quote in like the front page of something or like kind of the lead of your newsletter. Um, so be discerning that way. But I would just tend to say use use stats, use kind of just kind of a hard news approach to it. Um, through the years, I've been told, like, do not editorialize in the least. And that's kind of sort of my own style is just sort of lay out the context and don't really come in it, come at it with, with much of an opinion. And you'd be surprised. Like there are some instances where just like by second nature, you write something you're like, Oh, that actually is a little bit editorializing. Um, so you have to be careful with that. The flip side is I, I do think some damage has just already been done. Um, and I, I also think there are people out there who, even when they do see statistics, they just don't want to accept them. I, I remember a couple of years back doing a story where I was quoting like retail data in Boston and someone wasn't happy with that and just was like, well, you know, X, Y, Z, their reports are full of BS. And you're like, you know, I, I, I don't think they are, but you felt the need to send that email. So sure. Like, and, and I think with something like that, you, you have to just kind of have a bit of a thick skin and, and go about your day. I was going to ask, how do you break the ice with, you know, perhaps someone you're covering who is skeptical of the media or, you know, what spin you're possibly going to put on a story that you're coming at, you know, from a very straightforward position, but they're not so sure. With something like that, I, I think you just have to kind of everyone's going to have spin. I think you have to just sort of ultimately go in with an attitude of this is about reporting the news. This isn't about making best friends with your sources, et cetera. Um, in real estate a lot, I think you would always hear the, oh, we're just a couple of weeks from being fully leased or something like that. And sometimes a couple of years later, it was not fully leased or whatnot. And, but they would get angry if you would say, write anything about how it hadn't been filling up, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it, with stuff like that, you just, you know what you're writing is true and it's just they don't want to agree with the tone of it and again it's just let let the story stand for itself and watch it kind of you know if, if something does come up that it was wrong you issue correction but more often than not you just gotta you gotta stay true to yourself yeah that's a great answer it's like any other relationship you you have to earn trust and kind of continue to build on it and then you know that that's what that's what you lead with that's what goes out yeah i mean i, I think like reva whenever i think it, it ultimately you want to be seen as fair and that's kind of I, I think if at the end of the day even if you're not always seeing eye to eye as long as you're known for being a fair interview. I think that's that's the best you can get in a, in a business like this. And I, and I think more often than not, even sources I've had who don't always like how something was presented, if they will generally say um, that was fair. And not even just to my writing, like to Boston has so many great real estate reporters out there that I, I think, I don't think there are many that are known for just being like completely unruly and just like fake news, anything like that. Well, speaking of just the facts, we want to end on a uh, lighter note um, with this uh, last question we have for you, Cameron. And we're interested in, in where you stand on the press release debate. Are they dinosaurs, sort of an outdated tool, which you know should be retired? Or do press releases still provide value for folks like yourself? They, they do provide value. I'm going to say why. Um, they're great because there are some great press releases out there where when you get an embargo or something like that um, and you're and you're still trying to line up the interviews or whatnot, you can really get work ahead and get like your B-roll written for the story to where you're just kind of waiting for the interview to plug in the sound bites and you're good to go. Um, so I would say, yes. The one thing that I would pull back from is you have to keep in context that like there are reporters who 
are just getting a flood of these all the time. So I would say be discerning with the press release, but don't abolish the press release because it is a great point of reference. Even if it's an older press release, I found myself going back and kind of like, what's the square footage of this or what was the cost of this? Um, So yeah, wishy-washy again, but I I do see value in them and I don't want them to go completely away. Um, Maybe the frequency of some of them could go away, but Y'all have never sent me a bad press release. <laughs> and frame it with a personal note. Yeah, exactly. That That is always key. I mean, especially I, I've noticed that like if I will read the ones that say like kind of start with the person of like, hey, I think this would go great here or like uh, based on past coverage, I think like this would be a fit. Um, but also keep in mind, reporters are watching because some, even some of the personal so-called personal notes at the beginning don't seem so personal. So, um, you know, do your homework and uh, I think uh, you'll get placement. That's fair. And I, I know that TJ said that was the last question, but one that just came up in my mind talking again about travel, where is the first place you are going to travel once it is safe to do so? Oh man. Um, so we, I have yet to take my honeymoon and we have wanted to go to Vietnam and kind of Southeast Asia and have that's kind of top of mind for sure. What are y'all thinking? I'm trying to go to Greece. I'm trying to go to Greece and then maybe popping over to Israel. I've got some family over there. So that is my dream when this pandemic is over. (laughs) I would love to be able to go to Bermuda for a long weekend. I don't know that it's going to happen anytime soon, but uh, yeah, sinking my feet into that pink sand wouldn't be such a, a, a bad thing right now. As it's 15 degrees out here in in Boston. (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm adding Bermuda, Greece, and Israel uh, to my list too, because yeah, all all great destinations. Well, Cameron, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. It is always great catching up with you and talking shop a little bit. Thanks for having me. This was a blast, y'all. Yeah. Thank you so much. Absolutely. To wrap things up, we like to end every episode with a PR pro tip. And today, that tip is a best practice for getting the most out of a great media placement. Whenever you land a great media placement, whether it's a profile on one of your company's lead executives or a great story about a new project, initiative, or milestone your organization achieved, make sure you're leveraging social media to share that story either through your own post or resharing something published by the outlet or the reporter as far and wide as possible. To provide some context as to why that extra step is so important, a Pew Research Center survey conducted in August and September of 2020 found that about half of U.S. adults, roughly 53%, often get their news from social media, with Facebook and Twitter being the main platforms they get that news from. Simply put, if you're not sharing a link to your greatest coverage across your social media accounts, especially on Facebook and Twitter, but also on Instagram and LinkedIn, you're missing a huge opportunity to connect your target audiences to the news you want them to see about your organization. Make sure when you share those stories, you're also tagging the reporter and outlet that wrote the story and using relevant hashtags to ensure your post is searchable and encouraging engagement from others. This way, you'll significantly increase the positive impact those stories can have for your business. Well, to our listeners out there, thank you for joining us for another episode of And Then Some. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on the great content we have in store for you in 2021. And if you've enjoyed this conversation and other episodes, please let us know by leaving a review. Follow us on social media, Solomon McCowan Sensi on Instagram and at Solomon McCowan on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, we'll see you soon. 